0: Mr. David Alter, friend of the show, been on a few times. Let's swing him on. What's going on, David? Yeah, it's really
1: low. I can barely hear you guys, but I'll do my best. I don't know why, but it's it's incredibly low the volume. So hmm, it's let's going, see. Other than maybe. that, it's
2: going all right. How's it going for you guys? <laughs> We're good. I got attacked by uh, I got attacked by my bookshelves. So I'm just going to make sure it's not falling apart. I'll be two seconds. <laughs> yeah, be careful with that.
0: Well, Dave, I always like to have you on, obviously. The season is about to kick off. A lot of storylines going through Leafs Nation. Uh, see the Detroit Lions hat you got rocking right there. So I'm wondering, are the Toronto Maple Leafs going to come out of the gate better than the Lions have this season? Or what do you think is going to happen there? Well,
1: I mean, that's such a, like, you're you're putting it on a tee. Who, who's, who can be worse than 0-5? Like, no one's expecting that.
0: <laughs> Listen, but hey, the Leafs could do it.
1: Not worse than 0-5. It'd probably be the same at, at yep. minimum. Uh, yep. but no i mean in all seriousness the leafs should be pretty competitive there's obviously question marks of wing and uh, maybe some of their depth as well but i mean in terms of uh in terms of how they'll do i think they'll they'll have a pretty decent start like <laughs> it feels like they're not leaving the north for another week because of the ottawa and montreal opponents in the first three yeah. games anyway so like to be honest with you it's kind of i'm like i'm more excited about game four against the rangers just because a matthews might be back by that point but b more importantly um it's just a fresh opponent i'm just so sick of the canadian teams right now like i i am like i just i want to see what this team measures up to against some of the other opponents across the league
0: no, definitely. We can't wait to see some other teams as well. See what this team can stack up like against uh, New York Rangers, who's uh, an up-and-coming squad with Panera and Lafreniere, you know. Names we haven't got to see yet, you know, and get excited about. Um, I want to ask you about that guy you just talked about a moment ago, is Austin Matthews with that wrist injury, um, you know, hopefully back for Game 4. Um, he's saying all the right things, saying it feels good in practice, you know, the mobility's there. He's just not, uh, not game-ready. And maybe you got to ask him a question or maybe he said something that we didn't get to hear. Um, For him with that wrist, is it just because maybe a little weary on contact or maybe against the board player, things like that, that might be the issue for him where he doesn't want to get those bumps right yet, where he's still working things out? Uh, He mentioned he'd rather it be taken care of now than bleed into the season, have last season repeat itself. So that makes us a little worried as well, thinking, is that wrist completely clear from what it had? Uh, Or is he still experiencing some things that set him back in the summer?
1: I think he could play if he was forced into a situation where he had to. But I think he's actually taking uh, the right course of action, which was not pushing things forward. There's obviously some sort of discomfort or feel that he's not feeling pre-injury. And that was the whole point of this procedure, right? It was to make sure that, you know, you nip this in the bud once and for all. And that when the regular season starts, the risk is no longer an issue. Now, whenever you go into surgery, there's always a chance something can go wrong. Not saying that's what's happened here. It's obviously been more than the six-week timeline than what they planned for. But there's clearly something there. And he he avoided a lot of specifics where he just said he just, quote, didn't feel ready yet. Um, And I think Sheldon kind of hit the nail on the head, which was that um, you know, this whole the whole point of this was to make sure that the risk was not an issue. So if there is still like a 5% discomfort with it, why push it, why rush? Uh, there's no real reason to do that aside from personal goals. and uh, I think it's actually a good good course of action by Matthews to just, you know, put the team first, not think about any sort of personal goals he has, and make sure that whatever this risk thing is, is no longer a problem for him when he comes back. Because the worst that could happen is they have a setback. And hopefully for for his sake and the team's sake, that's not the case.
2: Yeah, like uh, I was talking to a guy at work today and he said that, um, I was telling him, he was he was saying, why have they bring him in? Like he's ready to go. I said, well, he might be ready to go, but he doesn't feel comfortable to play. It's better to lose him for three games at the beginning of the season than 22 in mid-March right so you're gonna want him to be ready who's gonna have to step up in his absence though because obviously you're missing a top line player who do you see maybe having a breakout performance to start the year personally I think it's going to be William Nylander do you have another name in mind that you think will maybe open this season with a bang yeah you know what
1: I mean I don't know if it's he's necessarily going to do it but I think he has to do it and that's John Tavares I think Tavares had a bit of um not so great productive regular season last year. Like he did struggle at times to score. I think he knows there's a little bit more pressure on him to make sure that um, he's at least getting to the point where he's living up to an $11 million contract because when you're getting paid that kind of money, you're expected to produce. And so even though he's got all the good leaderships of of being a captain and all that stuff, and he's moved up to the first line center role before, he's literally stepping into Matthew's spot. He's the guy who's going to have to help produce for that line uh, to make sure that the team kind of stays on that offensive trajectory. As far as Nylander, well, I mean, look, they played with Kerfoot. I'm I'm sure that second line's going to get points. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, that they'll be helpful. Although that second line has gone through a lot of changes after today. So Mm -hmm. there's that, but I think you have to go first line. And I think there's pressure on John. You can look, there's, there's pressure on Mitch Marner too, but not the same kind of pressure. He's a regular season performer. That's really not the issue there. That's going to be something down the road when it comes to the playoffs. But in this short little while, I think John Tavares, who, was working on and address the fact that he wasn't living up to where his game was offensively during the regular season, there's no choice. He's got to step up in that spot if the Leafs
2: are going to be a breakout success in the first couple weeks. Do you think Marner could be affected by the pushback? Well, not pushback, hate for a lack of better word. Um, from the fans at the end of the playoffs last year, because he, he comes across as a guy to me that feeds off the fans. And he was saying, yeah, I've kind of blocked all that out this year. I didn't really pay attention to any of that. But then let's use the, like those, oh, what do they call it? The family games that started at like two in the afternoon, for example. Those are his best games because the fans are there. It's rocking, it's loud, and he feeds off the fans. It's, it's kids. all kids, right? When it's, when it, when, it, when they're doing well, he does well. When everything's positive around him, he does positive things on the ice but when it's negative he kind of seems to drop off and let that affect him the vibe around Mitch Marner at the moment it's not the best can that maybe slow down his start a little bit or is there some uh, some weight behind him saying he's blocked it all out
1: look I think I don't think he's going to be affected too much this year and here's why I think so uh I think he he admitted already which I mean every pro athlete usually does which is deleted all the social media and just let his agency and teams deal with all that stuff and when he needs to see something for his team or whatever they can do that so he's not looking at any of those things that might draw negative emotions growing up in the city even when there's been like booze or whatever towards a person no one actually does that face to face in person with someone If they actually went up and met Mitch Marner, they would be like on their best behavior. That's typically what happens in Toronto. So that's two. And number three, I think the fans are just going to be so happy to be back in the building that they're just not going to be there. So happy to be there just to boo Mitch Marner. I don't see that happening off the start. I think it was a weird year. No fans except for 550 healthcare workers at game seven got to see a game in person or media or, or staff or whatever. And that the sum of all those things makes me believe that Mitch Marner is not going to feel any of that pressure until later in the season. If he's a not producing b the lease are not in a playoff spot or still fighting for their spot. And it's not a certainty that they're going to be in the playoffs or see which will be when the regular season starts if he gets off to any sort of struggle or makes a mistake maybe there's some of the larry murphy treatment although I i don't see that i really don't i think i think coming out of the pandemic when you go to a game i think there's a kinder kinder gentler audience i saw the wave all pre-season like that would never happen
2: like, hey! It, hey! It was I was just, at that game. That was I was a part of it. Acceptable
1: was, was <laughs> starting to happen again. So, like, I just, I don't see it unless it's really bad. Like all, all the, all the boisterous like boo birds. I think it's going to be a little while, just because there's so much good to celebrate in the world uh, with yeah. the regular season yeah. kind of opening right now. That I think it's going to take some real struggles before we start really seeing the boo birds in action. One thing uh, I want to
0: ask is, you know, you were talking about uh, Tavares obviously stepping up. I just want to piggyback on that. Josh jumped in there with the Marner. Um, you know, what if John Tavares comes out these first three games absolutely guns a-blazing and does find that offensive touch with Mitch Marner? You know Sheldon Keith likes chemistry. And maybe a way to work and Matthews back into this lineup is to put him on line number two and not have him against the A1 defense. And he has chemistry with Willie Nylander. He has chemistry with other players maybe allow him to slide in that second C-roll to get his reps back, get things going, get things rolling, and then obviously elevate his minutes once everything feels comfortable. But if you got something that's rolling and that is hot, do you want to break that up right away just because it's a de facto thing? It's
1: something that they're going to have to decide at that moment, right? Yeah. Like it's, yeah, they might shuffle up. They may do whatever. But, look, there's no slam dunk that Austin Matthews is back in time for game four of the regular season. It could take a little while. Uh, there could be other injuries that necessitate other people being into those spots. And then maybe there's different chemistry built in with Nylander and that depth winger as opposed to uh, Matthews. Because let's face it, last year, the Matthews line did not really fluctuate too much. It was all yeah. second through four, right? It was different left wingers being mixed around. Like McKayev got a, a turn with Tavares and Nylander. Taveras moved up in the middle, when when uh, Matthews was gone. But other than that, they the first line was pretty static last year. Now, in the Mike Babcock era, there is experience of Matthews with Nylander, so they could go to it again. But remember, the whole argument there, and what fans were yelling about the whole time Mike Babcock was there, was that they wouldn't put Marner and Matthews together. So if you try and do that, and you get one game, then you're going to have those same people complaining, why are we going through this? And why, are, why is Matthews and Marner not together? So... I think they're just going to go day-to-day and figure out the situation. Uh, I do think that Matthews will come back soon rather than later. If there's a hot point streak or something, sure. But let, let's face it, those first and second lines are both two lines. Like, uh, yeah. like They're both yeah. like first-line caliber with the type of money they're paying to those players. So I don't necessarily know that putting him on a second line per se eases him in. Um, I think it's just going to all depend on the situation to
0: be honest with you well you talked about the interchangeable parts, so let's talk about those guys richie bunting uh, camp kasha all these guys coming in to this roster and uh, seemingly going to be sprinkled throughout who's the one that catches your eye the most for me i don't know why but i've got an attachment to andre kasha and david camp i like the two of them a lot i like what camp can bring as a no light sport to speak i've said it a couple times tonight and then i really like what kasha can bring if he's healthy he likes to drive the net. He's got that power forward-esque type of build. Uh, if he stays healthy, maybe he can bring those things out and give that third line what Keith's always wanted, which is a defensively stable kind of line that may be able to pot a few and ball up the other team in their own zone, keeping control of the puck. But for you, what name stands out the most and think may have the most impact for the Toronto Maple Leafs through your eyes? I'm actually
1: not sure. Like, it's... Look, it's... It, Conf and Kasha have been the most talked up by the staff. Yep. and they have looked pretty good, but there's still question marks. like Ka is good, uh, as good as he is. you know at times he was bouncing around between the fourth and third lines with Chicago last year. I need to see kind of a longer track yeah. record. Uh, as far as the offensive upside, I don't know if there is any there. like I mean it, it will be a bit of a challenge in that regard. Kasha does have wheels, and yeah, when he's healthy, he's really good, but again, I don't Helped. know. Like, who knows what happens with those. Nick Ritchie is a compelling piece, but I don't know if he's cast properly on that first line and if it sticks for longer than a long period of time. He's got good hands. He's a big body. Uh, I-, I think it's a shame because I think Ilya Mikheyev was probably the best type of hymen replacement on the wing when Hyman was gone. And I don't think they, they they never planned on doing it. Although it looked like he was going to be on the second line, which he got a cup of coffee. I think it was like only two or three games max last year where McKev was second line left winger, but I would have liked to see what he would have done on that first line as a guy who, yeah, maybe he kind of struggles to, to bury him sometimes, but he could definitely create and definitely get it to the guys who can score, uh, which is, you know, it's kind of identical to what Hyman was. So it's kind of a shame there because now they're kind of all over the place. Where like they need a lot of different experiments to work, and their one consistent on the left wing is now kind of gone for two months. So yeah, it, it's tough. Like Bunting looks good. He looked good in the earlier part of camp. He wasn't the the big game breaker he was before. Like later in camp, but. There's potential there, oh, an offensive upside, but the sample size is small. It's Nick Ritchie is probably the most consistent kind of guy who can kind of be in that spot, but I just think he's miscast on the first line. So I'm not exactly sure what's happening in that
0: regard. What's one thing for you through this training camp that uh, that you're noticing that no one's talking about? That's something that hey, this maybe should be talked about more.
1: Uh, the goaltending situation. I mean, it's been talked about a lot, but like, I'm I'm very curious as to what happens there. I mean, I don't think the goaltending is necessarily stronger this year than it was two years ago. If that makes any sense, last yep, year sure. was a weird year to evaluate because Jack went on this crazy run, and I don't know if that's real or not. Like, it's it was crazy. It was cool. It was all that stuff. Um, I like mentally, like we hope he's in a good spot where if he has bad games, it's not going to kind of destroy him in, in terms of thinking about it and then letting it affect his performance going forward. Peter Mrazek, again, another guy who had a really good small sample size last year, had experience sort of as a 1A uh, before that, but injuries and everything where that's another question mark, but they're paying him quite a bit over those three years where it looks like you know they're they're, they're trying to figure out some sort of possible solution there and look it wasn't good enough for Carolina that Carolina went and got Anderson instead so there's a like I think the goaltending as good as it can be it'll be very streaky and that's probably not with Freddie apart from this past year and the bad octobers he had in regular years outside of that and a couple of bad goals in the playoffs he was fairly consistent but like he didn't move around the net yeah. a lot he was kind of, he gave the stability where people revered frederick anderson until this weird year and, and everything that happened there so i think the goaltending is going to be the biggest question mark there Defense looks kind of the same without the veteran yeah. presence. It's going to be good to it, see what Lily Grin can kind of do. Um, but other than that, I think I think goaltending is going to be the real sticky, sticky point right now.
2: Are they concerned at all about injuries? Because Campbell was injured for about half of last year. Mrazek only played, I think, 15 games last year. Michael Hutchinson cleared waivers. Do you think we can see Hutch at all in the NHL this season? Sure. I mean, it's definitely possible.
1: We saw Hutch last year. We yeah. saw him two years before, whatever the season was before he got traded to Colorado. The pandemic makes me forget like shorthand how long ago it's that all blurring together. But, but I, I believe that was uh, that was the year before. Mm-hmm. So um yeah. So. They're, they're probably it's, it's look injuries are inevitable. Like they may happen. They hope it doesn't, but it happens. Look what happened to Ilya in a, in a preseason game. Like freak accidents can happen all the time. I just got a, I just saw a tweet from my, my buddy Hart at Puckpedia about the least current cap situation right now, which is exactly what we thought they were going to do, which is they're over the cap by 1.53 million. So they've put the cave on LTI Yep. and use that exception to to keep guys like lily grin and amadio and the funny thing about the amadio situation sorry i you're not even asking me this question but i'm just no, getting no it's this, good it's good just it's getting this news as it happens um so there was a lot of consternation and a lot of people upset that brooks wasn't retained and amadio was put on waivers right like and and keith kind of without even asked being asked about brooks specifically brought up the fact that the decision was kind of out of his hands. And it's actually funny. So, I don't know if you guys know, and I try to explain this in pieces I have, exactly how long-term injury works in terms of how you can exercise it. You can't just put the guy in LTI and have all the space. You have to actually put your roster to the point where you're the closest to eighty one point five as you can before going into LTI, right? And so, I think what happened here is, with who they had left, because Brooks was on a deal where the cap average was lower because the cap minimum was lower last year, it was $25,000 uh, less of a cap hit than Amadio's. And they needed a higher cap hit to get to $1.645 million or closer to it because right now they're at $1.53 with Amadio there. where You take that out, it would have been like, one point five oh five, so it's a twenty-five thousand dollar extra cap pool by keeping the higher cap hit player. So,
0: so, he, is a so Brooks, is he was a cap. So Brooks, he was a cap casually then. To, uh,
1: like I think that's what Keith was kind of alluding to—that like, you know, like they liked Brooks, but like this—the the decision, like in in what other situation would you hear that the head coach, the decision's out of his hands? like if he thinks Brooks should have made the team as opposed to somebody else, right? So, so like that's when it comes to those situations and I saw that I'm like if there's an injury, it makes sense to keep the higher cap hit guy to get more of the pool. If there isn't an injury, they probably both would have been on waivers anyway because there wouldn't have been space to have them both on the roster now. But now with the LTI, they can have him and they can have uh Lily run up too, which looks good for his chances to actually get some games in now.
2: Oh, wow. Brings a little bit of background to uh what's going on there because I thought I thought it was a very strange decision but one that didn't hurt me as much as it did other fans. I was like, "Oh, that <laughs> sucks."
1: <laughs> oh, well. Well, I mean, look, it's a homegrown guy. They drafted him. He played really well for them in the fourth line. I think one of my observations just from everything I was seeing at camp was uh yeah, so uh hang on just one sec. I'm getting yelled at here. No problem. So I just had to move the light away. There we go. Uh, so what were we talking about here?
0: You're talking uh, about Adam Brooks. Adam Brooks. Adam Brooks. Right.
1: So Adam Brooks was um, one of those situations where, you know, they they did their best. Like with like, he was a fourth-line guy. Everything I saw in camp, is like, I don't know how he's not your fourth-line center starting this mm-hmm. season because – he just knows what he is, and he performs really well in that spot. And clearly other teams agreed, right? So yeah,
2: no, that was the difference. Uh, I, I saw as soon as he was put on waivers, I was like, oh, someone's going to claim him. Someone's going to see the value yeah. in this guy and be, be able to utilize him on their third or fourth line. And in Montreal, he's going to – he'll fit in well there. He's going to score the overtime winner against the Leafs on Wednesday. So – We'll, well, we'll see. We'll see how he does there, but and how the Leafs rebound. But the way I put it was Brooks is a replacement level player that you can probably find a replacement for him on waivers as well. So it wasn't too big of a loss in my eyes, but I know some people see the value in him differently, and that's the beauty of hockey, right? Everybody has a different opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah I, remember, I, I remember when you were talking to me about the the Freddie Anderson thing last season about getting that close to the cap and how they had to make different deals to get to that point. And uh, so now, now you see this with Brooks and obviously becomes more of, I guess, a cap casualty trying to get as much as that maximize the uh, the LTIR pools they can use. Um, for you, what are the players going to be, I guess, exiting this team when Mikhaev comes back? Is it going to be Amadio and Lilligren more than likely?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it just depends. Like, it's hard to forecast now because two months is a long period of time and they may have to, you know, get – somebody else like there could be another injury that deepens that pool and then they don't have to make those moves or they make a trade or they do whatever the case may be right so um yeah it's it's really tough to say if they overperform then maybe they put someone else on waivers to keep them because they've been contributing that much it's really hard to say between now and then in terms of what they're going to do in that spot
0: uh, another enigma for the Toronto Maple Leafs, you either love him, love him not hate him, but maybe can sink he's down on the Marlies. Uh, Pierre wall is a guy that uh, depends on what side of Twitter you fall on or social media for that matter. Uh, there's people that love him, people that say, hey, this guy can be replaced by somebody else. What have you seen from Pierre wall during this camp? Uh, he's another guy that we talked about, you know, maybe teaching a lesson to and and saying, hey, you got to step it up. Um, he's a guy that probably has to step it up to stay in this lineup. What have you seen from Pierre Ingval through camp and now going into the season?
1: Uh, I mean, just a speedy guy. Like the the good stuff you saw from Pierre Ingval in the last couple of years looks like the Pierre Ingval now. Like that's the you know fast can help on the PK if needed, uh, can join the rush, jump up and down, and um, you know he looks ready. He looks really good in that spot, and you know they how anytime. Anytime they they give like 1.2 million or something over whatever the cap burial projection is for players that are playing further down your lineup in a cap-stricken team like the Leafs are, that means they have a lot of like expectations for you. And yep. like, the same goes for Dermot. Like it doesn't seem like they're super thrilled about Dermot's play so far, and they gave him a huge raise, and uh, and they really want him to take it to the next step. But it looks like Pierre Engvall's kind of answered that bell where he, he's done enough of what uh, Sheldon Keith likes that, like, they're going to have him in pretty important spot to start the season. And um, I think that's good. Like, that's just, just the maturation of a player because it seemed like every opportunity there was when Engval was being asked about, that there was just a lot of negativity coming from it during the, the COVID year, uh, the full COVID year. So, um, yeah, so, like, he's been really good in that respect. And I think that... Um, you know, in that third-line role, he's going to have to continue to perform because they really do need him in that spot right now with guys like Ilya gone. Like, it's his chance to kind of step up, move up into that role, and show that he's worth the, the 1.225 or whatever it is, somewhere yeah. near cap <laughs> yeah. that he's making right now.
2: Interesting.
0: So for this season, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, and what is your thoughts? What can this team become? And what is their biggest hurdle to overcome that to get to that spot?
1: Biggest hurdle right now to kind of get into that spot of being like the best team or like to, to get to the promised land? Is that what we're talking about here?
0: Uh, promise, you know what? The promised land for this squad right now is, is probably the third round. It's the uh, second round. Don't
2: is. lie. It's the, I would be over the moon with a second round. Burst. You know what? I, I, I think the second, the second round, round for fun, us would be great, fun? but
0: for management, I think third round or bust. Is what they want.
1: Interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: Well,
1: okay. Look, I mean it's it's their flyers, the guy that the guys that they took chances on, the, the left wingers have to overperform. And their stars have to be their stars. And their goaltending has to prove like a, a competent duo. That's really what it is. The defense I don't think is gonna be much of an issue this year because the defense played pretty well last year. And it's for better Without Zach Bagosian, it's more or less the same. So mm-hmm. they've got that going for them. And they gotta stay healthy and they've got to figure out what they can do in terms of ads and stuff. And then that's where they'll they'll kind of be in that regard. So um, yeah, it's uh it's a lot to kind of process and think about because it's so early in the year and like I don't like to prognosticate because there's just it, there's nothing to go by. Last year didn't feel real. Like, they only played six opponents. Yeah. It was really easy to work on your mistakes in the regular season. But maybe that's what they needed to actually be a better overall team for this upcoming year. So, there might not be a lot of tweaks that they need to make. I heard you with uh, on with Terry before I was waiting where, like, Boston looks a little bit, you know, questionable in their goaltending spot. Maybe there's a, drip, a drop there. But apart from that, that division is going to be very tough. It's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, I think they'll be a playoff team, but it's—I don't think they're going to be a a slam dunk to be in the top two in the division. I think they're really going to have to work at it and show what they did last year was in the regular season anyway was real.
2: Yeah, yeah. Is that a uh, is that a Detroit Lions hat? Yes, it is. Uh, did you see the news break while we were uh, recording? No, Well it has nothing to do with the Lions, but uh Gruden was let go from the Raiders. Oh yeah, okay. I
1: I, I heard about the emails nah, he's gone. and that they were waiting for the investigation, or they were they sent it to the Raiders to see what yeah. they were going to do about it, and so yeah, a I mean, couple
2: of a couple of the emails came out on Twitter, and they did not make them look good.
1: Yeah, I, I I haven't read them. I just heard what was in them, and yeah, you can't yeah, but- you can't be that way
2: say that kind of stuff all right all right
0: well dave i want to thank you very much for swinging by with us here and talking about the leafs on the offside leafs preview show uh looking forward to wednesday to kick off looking forward to the season to get rolling and having you on once the season's going um Anything you want to leave us with before you go about the Leafs or about anything going on or just just ready to rock and roll?
1: Like I've got something coming out um, in the next week. That's going to get people a little bit more involved in in, uh, the coverage that I do for the hockey news. It's going to be like where you can actually join me on the road. Oh, it's going to be. A very interesting thing so that's coming this week so keep your eyes peeled out on my twitter account for that
2: when you go to vegas can i actually join you on the road no no. i just mean like (laughs) i know know, i know yeah
1: it's gonna be kind of like a live chat while things are going on kind of service all right and
0: ask me anything kind of thing live no but
1: like while leaf stuff is going on actively okay that's cool yeah
0: well, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to the season kicking off. And uh, we'll be sure to big that up once it comes out and probably be a part of it because we'll be right there with you.
1: Yeah, I, Yo, uh, I, I look forward to it. I appreciate you guys having me on as per usual. I, appreciate you <laughs> well, I look forward on, to man. having you back what? on again
0: throughout the season, buddy. Take it easy.
1: All right. Take it easy, guys. Thank you.
0: Cheers. All right. So there you have it. That was David Alter of the Hockey News.